from the Thai Cats Audio Network. This is Thai Cats Today with Louis B. Yes, it is Thai Cats Today for a Friday, April the 8th, 2022. It means we are 64 days away from the Thai Cats season opener, 37 days away until day one of training camp. And spring finally starting to feel like it's here. I know the calendar may have said spring as of March 21st, but now with some nicer days and some sunshine and some green starting to appear back in our lives outdoors, uh, starting to feel finally like spring and hoping that all this winter weather is behind us is 37 days away from training camp opening that's you know do the math here i was never strong at math but i think that's about six weeks until training camp and rookie camp starts before that the draft is on may 3rd the global draft going may 3rd as well so i mean we are we are on the back nine of this offseason folks and uh, there's uh, your master's reference this week for you is the back nine getting closer to the end of the offseason i know i didn't have to explain it but it's friday so i'm going to explain it anyway thanks for checking us out on the tie cats audio network by the way make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode uh, and if you have any comments or feedback you can always hit me up on twitter at louis b underscore tv or at tie cats coming up on today's show we're going to Focus in on the offensive line for the Hamilton Tiger Cats, a position last year that dealt with injuries literally from day one. You know, Mike Filer retiring in training camp. I mean, there was really difficulty in finding consistency uh, when it came to the offensive line on no part of no fault of the players. Uh, no fault of the coaches, but just because of injuries, because of you know, retirements, and now with free agency, the offensive line definitely a position to watch, and one of those positions that you know we don't always give the respect they deserve, because when it comes to the offensive line, when it comes to football, such an important spot on the football field, needing to be in sync, needing to know what's going on behind you. At all times, you know, your back is to the offense. You're you're dealing with the, the blitzes and and misdirections, and you know, there's there's never any stats at the end of the day you can look at on an offensive lineman and say what a great game he had. It really is all the eye test, and so we're giving a little love to the offensive line, and we'll do that when we catch up with the offensive line coach of the Tie Cats, Mike Gibson. He's entering his second year as the offensive line coach for the Ticats, and we'll we'll play some clips of some of the offensive linemen going into the season. I had a chance to catch up with a couple of guys over the last you know, few months here and just want to refresh your memory on what they had to say. So we'll hear from Jesse Gibbon. We'll hear from Alex Fontana and Brandon Revenberg as well as we dedicate this show to the underappreciated offensive linemen. Just to refresh your memory, going into the season, you know the Ticats have Joseph Benz, Alex Fontana, Jesse Gibbon, Tyler Johnson, Kay Okafor, Brandon Revenberg, Chris Van Zyl, Travis Mordenkall, DeAndre Wesley, and Coulter Woodmansey signed heading into camp already. So that is already you're looking at about 10 offensive linemen, and we don't know what they're going to be doing at the draft, and we'll get into that with Coach Gibson as well, but... That's your little refresher. Darius Sirocco signing with the Red Blacks in the offseason, but 
other than that, you know, Jordan Murray signing with the NFL's uh, Indianapolis Colts. Uh, those two, the big departures. And then you have a couple of additions in DeAndre Wesley so far and Tyler Johnson and Alex Fontana and the returnees from last season as well. So just refreshing your memory on how the Ticats offensive line currently stands as of right now. And again, we don't know what they're going to do in the draft. The Ticats have traditionally gone after offensive linemen in the draft. Brandon Revenberg, K. Okafor, examples of that. Jesse Gibbon. So without further ado, let's discuss this very important position on the football field with the man in charge of it. Is the offensive line coach Mike Gibson entering his second season with the Tie Cats? And Mike, thanks for joining me. Let's start there. Year two for yourself. How different? How have you changed your preparations for the season? How have you changed your off-season plans? What's different from year one to year two for yourself? No, uh, I've been doing this a long time. So going from one year to the next, you have a routine that you go through in the off-season. You watch your film from the previous year. Watch some things you like, watch some things you need to improve on. Uh, obviously, we've had some changes on the staff, um, you know, with Jared moving to running backs and with Jason coming in as a receiver coach. So we've been having those meetings. So uh, a lot doesn't change, to be honest with you. I mean, as far as your routine um, and what you do, just, uh, you know, you just try to make yourself better. Now, last year was was just a, such a strange situation on the offensive line, just in terms of the, the amount of bodies you went through, the amount of different rotations that you had at offensive line. Had you ever experienced a, a, a season like that where it just seemed like every week because of an injury or because of something else, you weren't really able to put consistently you know, the, the same group of guys out there? Well, uh, unfortunately, you know I mean? when you play a number of games and even though the season was only 14 games compared to 18 and you had three playoff games. So a 17 season schedule, you know, you're going to have injuries and things like that. Um, it's a, it's a physical position. Uh, probably the offensive and defensive lines were the two areas that were impacted the most by a year off um, during COVID, you know, and to just expect those guys to go back in and to, have the physical contact uh, without really a long preseason or without a previous year. I mean, I think that uh, if you look across the league, even teams that didn't have injuries on the offensive line, it took their offensive lines a while to gel, uh, you know, to play to the standards that you would like. So, uh, I mean, it was a difficult year, but, uh, you know, uh, it comes kind of with the process and um, you have to play with who you have. And, uh, you know, that's what we did. Now, speaking of uh, playing with who you have, you're going to have a a healthy K. Okafor, Brandon Revenberg, Chris Van Zyl. I mean, the the, the leaders of of the guys who've been here before, what does it mean to have that core group? And and I'm going to ask you about Coulter in a second, but that core group that you have from last season coming back to this year, what, what does that mean to you? Well, you know, um, the terminology, I mean, you're, you're not catching up on terminology. You're not starting from uh, ground zero or page one in a book, you know, so that gives you a leg up. Um, you know, the two individuals you mentioned heavily there uh, being Chris and uh, Rev. I mean, they're veterans. They've been around a lot. They've been through a lot of systems and so forth. Um, you know, I think you'd have to talk to them, but 
I think that as the year went on, their their level of play improved and, uh, you know, getting Chris healthier, you know, even though he wasn't fully healthy all year. Uh, hopefully, you know, I mean, all indications are he's going to be 100% when he comes to camp. And, uh, you know, that that's without a doubt a help. Um, you know, uh, Kay, you know, I mean, it was kind of unfair to him. I mean, he was put in a tough situation where – played right tackle, he played left tackle, he got injured. You know, he was a guy who had been a six-man primarily in his past and thrown in against some pretty good people early in the season. He had his growing pains, which you you are to expect, but he's a fine young man. Um, you know, it, it's never for lack of effort or anything uh, on his part. We just have to continue to work to refine his technique as we do all of them and to add things to their toolbox. So, um, you know, it's nice to have all those guys back, obviously. Uh, but with each new year, there's new challenges uh, as a team, as a unit, as an individual. So, uh, you know, we'll uh, we'll get to camp here in six weeks, roughly, and, uh, you know, start all over again and hopefully um, – stay healthy, knock on wood, and, uh, you know, build on what we accomplished last year. Now, I did want to ask you about Coulter Woodmans because I, I, I go back to a conversation you and I had during the season last year where you, you talked about how impressed you were just in terms of his development as the season went on. So are, are the expectations raised for a guy like him? What kind of homework do you give a guy like that uh, from year one to year two in the offseason, and what are you expecting to see come camp in, in six weeks' times? Surely the expectations will be raised because he was a rookie. Now he's played, he started, you know, predominant part of the year for us. He played three playoff games. Um, he's a year older, you know, his private situation has changed. He's gotten married in the off season. So all that maturity and growth from a personal and a football standpoint, you'd like to see, uh, which we expect from him. He's a, uh, He's a young man that the game means a lot to. So he studies the game, you know, uh, quite a bit uh, in the offseason. You know, I mean, he's looking at center and guard tape and uh, to learn from some of the better players in the league, how they play, uh, as well as some of his own teammates. You know, uh, during the season uh, as a rookie, every snap is a new experience. So now he has some experience next year as a second year player you would hope he can use those experiences and build on his new experiences from year two. And uh, I expect him to, he's a, he's a great young man. He's a young man who is very well liked on the team um, in his own way. He's a leader, you know, he doesn't say a whole lot, but he uh, he's always there early stays late. You never questioned his dedication or anything like that. So, you know, he's right. Hopefully he's ready to take the next step. You got Joseph and uh, Jesse coming back as well, but I do want to get into some of the new guys, uh, including Alex Fontana, who when I talked to him after he had signed, he had said there's nowhere else he'd want to play than here in Hamilton. You got to be excited when you hear a guy say that, but when you look at his tape, what stands out to you uh, from, from his standpoint? Well, I'll, I'll surely address that, but you know, Jesse Gibbons, I want to go back to him for a minute because he's a young man who started for us. And then uh, we made some decisions and went into another direction as a starter, but he dressed always as the sixth guy. And, you know, uh, if, if you really want to talk about a player who probably improved the most during the season, uh, Jesse's going to be high 
on that list, he might be the most improved. So, you know, he's a young man we're expecting a lot from this year. It was important to get him re-signed. Um, you know, he is he is at that developmental stage where a year ago you would think that, uh, you know, he played more, you know, he didn't play as much as Coulter as a rookie, but in a year two of his deal, he was in the mix as the sixth and he played a little. And so you expected that growth from him. I, I think he will make that giant step this year, or at least I hope he will. Um, as far as Alex, um, Alex is a, is a, is a, is another good guy. Uh, you know, I've had the fortune over the last, since he signed what in February, um, we, we signed him, you know, in the first week there in our second weekend free agency. Uh, him and I have met every week since then. His football IQ is outstanding. Uh, he understands the game. He sees the game. Uh, you know, he's not – it doesn't have tunnel vision. He can see the whole uh, aspect of what you're trying to accomplish up front. Um, so, so that's a big plus. Um, number two, I believe uh, – you know, his brother owns a gym, so he has an ability to have facilities to work out in, and he's taking full advantage of those. So from a physical standpoint, uh, even though, you know, he didn't play in 2020 or 2021, you know, he'll have to knock some of the rust off. But from a strength standpoint uh, and body control and things like that, I think he's going to be fine. Um, he's a talented kid. Um you know, I mean, you don't go to the University of Houston, which is, which is a, a pretty good football school, and then go to Kansas, which may not, you know, have won as many games as they wanted, but play in an outstanding conference. So he's playing against good people every every day, you know, every week that he has competition. So, um, you know, I, I think he, he's going to be a fine addition. You know, he uh, he's a center by trade. Um, so that's where he'll start, you know, at, you know, he could also move out to guard, which would not be a problem for him, but, um, uh, very happy to have him very happy to, uh, you know, just get to know him because, uh, he, he's an impressive person. And, uh, you know, I, I, again, just in talking with him, you can see he has leadership ability and, uh, I think he'll, uh, fit into the room very well. I think, um, Jen, or, excuse me, Coulter and him have already started working out together. So, um, you know, uh, he's going to be a nice addition. And uh, I'll throw out you throw at it uh, before we go here that the two most recent American signings in uh, Tyler and DeAndre, uh, that being Tyler Johnson and uh, DeAndre Wesley, uh, big body guys, especially uh, DeAndre at six, seven. Uh, what are you seeing from them so far? And, and I think we've learned last year with the couple of Americans that you did have that made the jump. What are you anticipating? Uh, they'll need to be kind of on top of their game and come camp time. Well, uh, you know, for uh, even though uh, that Wesley was in um, Edmonton, you know, on the practice squad, uh, he hasn't had game action up here. Yeah. Okay. And for both of them, that's going to be the biggest adjustment because in this league, make no mistake about it, um, there are good defensive ends in this league that they have to block one-on-one to be able to block one-on-one. The Willie Jeffersons, the Jeff Coates, uh, the Kutang Botang, you know, in Ottawa now, uh, 
all those guys and many more that I could name. So just the uh, level of competition that they're going to face, um, that's going to be the number one thing for them, I think, to, to see how they compete against those type people. They're both talented individuals. They both have uh, physical ability. Uh, God gave them both uh, length to their bodies. So that's what you need at that position. Um, but, you know, I mean, they're, they're going to have to come in and win a spot. Uh, you know, we have Travis coming back now, you know, uh, you know, uh, Travis will have an upper hand since he's been in the system. Mm-hmm. He played four to five games. And when he played, he played at a pretty good level. He got better week to week. So I think he's looking at it. It's his, uh, it's his position and somebody's going to have to beat him out. And I think, you know, he's a fighter and he's not going to go easy. Uh, but those two and, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if there's one or two more before we get to camp, uh, because that's an important position for us, uh, you know, to find the guy we need there. We went through a lot of bodies there last year. And, uh, you know, we'll just have to see how that all falls out. Before we go, uh, you know, the Ticats historically are always very good at drafting at the offensive line. Uh, what have you seen? What have you been saying with Drew? I'm sure you and Drew have had some conversation in terms of uh, the guys who will be available come the draft. Uh, wh- what's your initial reaction on kind of the, the offensive line class of uh, 22? Well, you know, um, people, and I'm not going to say who, okay? Okay. People don't think this is a very good offensive line class. And I think what they're comparing it to is there's not a lot of Canadian offensive linemen who have played in the U.S. and who are eligible for the draft, who are in the draft this year. There's some talent in this draft. Uh, You know, I I like some of the kids. I like some more than others, obviously. But um, there are enough players that I think could come in and um, could – be a nice addition to us. You know, uh, those decisions are obviously above my pay grade, uh, but I feel very strongly on a few of them and I've let my opinion be known and, you know, we'll see the direction we go in. Drew and I have a meeting next Thursday to delve into this a lot, in a lot more detail as far as specifics and what I like about this one and what I don't like about that one and why I would take this one over that one and so forth. But, um, you know, Drew does a nice job in our scouting department. I mean, you know, Ed Hervey's a great addition to us because, uh, you know, I've been with Ed before. Uh, Ed and I kind of see eye to eye uh, on the guys up front and my dealings with him in the draft in the past and everything. We were together here for the regional combine in Edmonton a few weeks ago, and we had uh, a nice long conversation. So I'm sure that uh, hopefully I say I'm sure, but hopefully I'm sure that there'll be one or two. Uh, you know, rookies that come in and have a chance to uh, show us what they're all about and have a chance to to start their uh, CFL careers here in Edmonton. Well, it should be fun to watch CFL draft just a few short weeks away and then uh, training camp just a few short weeks away after that. Uh, Coach Gibson, it's always great to connect with you. I'm always a little bit smarter when it comes to the offensive line after you and I chat. So thank you for doing this. Appreciate it. Okay, no problem. You have a great day, Louie. We'll awesome. see you at camp. 
We certainly will, and my thanks to Mike Gibson, offensive line coach of the Ticats, for joining me today. And a couple of things I want to unpack from that interview, and the first one is the, the high praise for Jesse Gibbon. And Jesse Gibbon was a, a highly touted prospect for this, this Ticats team going into 2020, and it was, it was interesting to hear the, the, the praise that Mike Gibson was, was giving uh, Gibbon, not for any particular reason, but you know we didn't get to see it on the football field. As it was mentioned, he just as the, the sixth offensive lineman quite often for the Ticats, but he re-signed before free agency, foregoing the chance to see you know what he could get for himself on the open market because he believed what was being built here with the Ticats. And I think that's kind of the highest praise you can give to the system is a guy who was the sixth man on the offensive line, believes in himself enough and believes in, in what's being built. And now hearing the coach's praise like that, you can see why he decided to resign. But I'll, I'll play this year for you because I, I did have a chance to catch up with Jesse a couple of weeks ago, in fact, before free agency. And I asked him point blank why he decided to resign with the Ticats. Here's what he had to say. Oh, it took a... It took a lot of conversations, a lot of talking. Um, you know, it it's something that, you know, playing for like in my hometown, I guess it it's one of my dreams and, all this, and that kind of thing. So, it really um, that was a huge part of like resigning, coming back, and you know, it was a, it was a tough decision, but I'm happy to be back. And a lot of the uh, a lot of the guys are still around, so it's it's good to see that, and really uh, makes me look forward to coming back. That is Jesse Gibbon, as we heard from him earlier in this offseason about his decision to re-sign with the Ticats and unpacking the interview with Coach Mike Gibson here. A couple other things I want to highlight, of course, is the addition of Alex Fontana. And not sure if you picked up on it, but it seemed from what Mike Gibson just told us that it sounds like Alex Fontana is slotted as the starting center heading into camp. So that's exciting and necessary with the loss of Darius Sirocco. And we had a chance to catch up with Alex Fontana once he signed with the Cats. And if you want to hear the full interview, you can search for it wherever you found this on the Cats Audio Network. But wanted to pay, play this clip for you because Coach did mention he has been out of football for the last two seasons. Didn't play in 2021. So I asked him when I caught up with him uh, about that and, and whether he feels that those two years will hurt him or help him heading into camp. And here's what he had to say. For sure. Um, being out of the game for two years was it was pretty tough, you know, making a decision last season just to sit out just for my own personal reasons. It was um, it was difficult. But you know what? I mean, these last two years, I'm kind of looking at it as an advantage to just get healthier get better, get stronger, get faster, et cetera. But I think that I guess the most difficult part is just playing football again. Like I'm, it's back at a high level. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. once I, I'm sure once I get out there on the field, it'll be like riding a bike and everything will come back to me. But just playing football, man, like you can't, you can't emulate that anywhere else in the weight room or on the practice like field you can, or, you know, while you're working yeah. out, but there's no other place that you could emulate a game of football. So I think that'll be 
the biggest thing for me just getting back into it for sure that is alex fontana one of the newest members of the tie cats offensive line hoping to make the team out of camp and before we go I wanted to play this clip from brandon revenberg who will be the longest serving tie cats offensive lineman with the team and maybe you're kind of like me and you think that brandon revenberg is been here forever and he has been he, he's entering his sixth season with the tie cats but it, it feels so much more than that because he's such a, a solid presence on the tie cats offensive line has never missed a game in his cfl career and coach gibson talked about him being a leader and i asked him uh, his perspective of being a leader on this Ticats team earlier when I caught up with him when he re-signed, and here's what he had to say. I mean, it's, I definitely felt proud, you know, watching those guys because I know I kind of look back at myself when I was starting out as a rookie, and I had my bets. You know, I had Fyler and Baum, and that kind of took me under the wing. And, uh, you know, I think they definitely helped me develop into the player that I am today. So I always want to make sure that I pay it forward, especially, I mean, if you're trying to build a championship team, you're going to have rookies, you're going to have younger guys. And I do think that it is relies heavily on the veterans to make sure you build those guys up and you make sure that they're playing to the best of their abilities. But, you know, when you have those guys and they're just they're so willing to learn and put in the time and effort. I mean, it's just it puts a smile on your face as a veteran, you know, because you know, you got a good group of guys. And that is Brandon Revenberg as we caught up with him after he re-signed with the Ticats earlier this offseason. I want to thank you so much for joining us on today's show as we dedicated the entire program to the offensive line with training camp. We'll probably be doing this a couple more times with training camp just around the corner as we look at the different position groups ahead of camp, who's in, who's out. And we'll keep you updated so you have everything you need to know you know, in 37 days when the Ticats open camp, you will be you will be caught up. You will know what's going on. That's what we do here at Ticats Day, and we appreciate your support as we do it. Want to give a shout-out to Forge FC, who opened their fourth Canadian Premier League season on Sunday against Pacific FC. And a reminder, they are coming home, the boys, on April 16th. That's next Saturday. 4 p.m. kickoff against Cavalry FC, and we hope you can join us for tickets. You can go to forgefc.canpl.ca. I hope you have a fantastic weekend. Stay safe. For the Ticats Audio Network, I'm Louis B. Hoping you have a great day.